0: Welcome to the New Books Network.
1: Hello everyone. this is Nicole Powell, a host on New Books in African American Studies, a channel on the New Books Network. I'm excited to again be in conversation and sharing virtual space with Dr. Philip Butler. So to introduce Dr. Philip Butler, he's a term assistant professor of theology in Black Post-human Artificial Intelligence Systems at ELiF School of Theology in Denver, Colorado. He is also the founder of the Seeker Project a distinctly Black conversational artificial intelligence with mental health capacities. His work primarily focuses on the intersection of neuroscience, technology, spirituality, and race. He's also the editor of the book that we'll be talking about today, Critical Black Futures, Speculative Theories and Explorations, a volume that explores Black futures from various vantage points, his first book project is entitled Black Transhuman Liberation Theology and it imagines what might happen when black people utilize technological advancements to enhance both black spiritualities and black bodies in the struggle of materializing liberating realities. Currently, he is working to construct a black posthumanism that is both critical and speculative in nature. He is also building a distinctly black artificial intelligence interface combining machine learning and psychotherapeutic systems. So thank you for joining me, Dr. Butler. Glad to have you again.
2: Yo, Nicole, thank you so much for agreeing to talk with me once yeah, more. <laughs> of course. <laughs> and not being tired of me the first time. I'm yeah. um, just really excited to be here.
1: Yeah, me too. Thank you. Um, so I want to start off with a question that you asked in the introduction. And that question is, what is a necessary event or context that precipitates Black innovation in the future? So in this, in this contemporary moment that we're in, in the context of the pandemic, we see the intersection of disparities in healthcare and access. And I think a lot of people also who have lost loved ones have become even more aware of their mortality and their human um, their human state. Um, so how does Critical Black Futures speak to this contemporary moment and particularly the impact of the pandemic on black communities?
2: Um, I think that Critical Black Futures opens a, a portal right and and not a portal in 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 the sense of escape but a portal in the sense of seeing potential possibilities uh because we recognize in this moment uh there are various ways in which black folks are in spaces where they're not in position to navigate or at the very least direct right their Mm -hmm. own uh trajectories of their lives right They're, they're not in control of their futures broadly um and so I think that when we start looking at these these kind of critical landscapes, it becomes a not just a tool and not just a, a particular method for framing the future or imagining the future or you know placing ourselves on a path towards the future, but it allows us to engage in the type of critical discourse that uh, that can potentially be and, and I think that's more of the hope of, of of some of the aspects of this project uh when we talk about engaging in the critical nature is that we hope that thinking critically will allow for the gaps between the space of of being in, in uh continually uh, historically marginalized perpetuating space of disproportionalities uh, we can begin to build these bridges with with clear struts uh and that are that are not so much whimsical, and I know that sometimes it's important to have big dreams. But I think that there's a, a a connecting piece that comes with like plotting, you know, plotting and planning and strategizing, and I think that's where the um, I think that's where the critical aspects come into play.
1: Yeah, and I think something that you do in your work is you really center like plotting and thinking about the future as central to the critical discourse, um, and as central to what progresses social change forward, or has been central to a lot of Black critical thought. Um, so why is specia- speculation important for Black critical discourse? And are there lessons we can take from Black theologies, um, given their imaginative nature and critical modes of thought? Or do you see Black theology within this critical discourse? So
2: no, I, um, I think that this, this speculative piece becomes um, important when we start talking about reverse engineering. You know, we we see how other folks project into the future, and we see what potential uh, realities they hope to happen, and even some of the dystopian realities that they imagine, given the potential for things to go awry, right, in our present realities. Uh, but nevertheless, I think if if we look at what's been presented by other folks, what we say we want, and what we are working towards, and it gives us the opportunity to kind of uh, to kind of look at uh, what is there, and then you know, and, and then map it out backwards. Uh, because if we want to get here, then there's certain things we have to do now, and there's certain things we got to do right. And and it doesn't necessarily have to be chronological in the sense that like by year 2025 this has to happen, you know, or by 2040 or 2075 these kind of things. I just think that if we're if we're honest about the, the spaces that we want to um, cultivate and create and foster, then there is a real uh, kind of walking walking the path backwards in order to make sure that the things that would constitute that moment are available and converging at that specific moment to allow for that moment to, uh, to be the case. And I think that theologies are important here. And I think this is also where... And I'm trying to remember if we we talked about this before, but this is I think this is where you have like this convergence between um, (laughs) between pessimisms um, and and theologies, because the pessimism uh, allows you to look at kind of the the darkest of of the way in which the world is or the darkest of things. Uh, But then the theologies allow for spaces of hope. And so um, there's I think there's, you know, i'm not gonna i'm not i'm not gonna butcher the saying, but you know when when things are the darkest then the, <laughs> then the you know the light is around the corner or you know you have nowhere to go but up but and so i think that that's where we we allow for this uh allow for us allow for a sense of disillusionment that comes with the critical uh but that comes with the critical eye and then uh, and then the theological allows for uh allows for hope to come to to come into into the picture and and then it allows for creativity and possibility to flourish
1: right yeah. And I think you were speaking a little bit about having or there's a necessity to look forward in this moment to see where we want to go and to visualize mm-hmm. that. And I think it just reminds me of like disrupting time and disrupting like what's linear and leaning into that chaos. And I think your work also just speaks in the introduction more to like how leaning into that chaos or leaning into I think you use the word incomprehensibility is just like is is crucial to the black tradition also. Um, so yeah, finding power in that space. Um, Uh. yeah. And I know a lot of readers who will see the title critical black futures will think about Afrofuturism. Um, and you actually locate critical black futures in part of the trajectory of Afrofuturism, but can you describe more about the differences between Afrofuturism and critical black futures? Um, and then also maybe a little bit about the language, like why not why not Afro futures? Why Black futures?
2: Right. No, I, I think that's fair. Right, and so like I think there's a few different spaces for for us to to engage in, a, like a launchpad or, or 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 to to begin to to jump off from. Um, I think when we look at um, Afrofuturism uh, as as delineated by by a few folks, through Tasha Romack and and a lot a lot of the work that Renato Anderson has been doing as of late, especially when they have been working to, you know, unpack a lot of the the earlier definitions of the term uh, itself. So you, know, you have 1.0, which is like, like what people are kind of coming to uh, coming into uh, Afrofuturism. Something I even I think uh, Ronaldo Anderson gives a like a timeline. I, I don't want to butcher it at the moment, but it's definitely uh, um, definitely earlier uh, in. I think it's um i am butchering this timeline so forgive me and don't yell at me dr anderson so look <laughs> right but basically we're, we're talking about anywhere from like the, the like right right before the harlem renaissance up until like the 90s right we started talking about the digital digital divide and whatnot and then we have 2.0 which is this this part where you have folks uh who who are primarily black beginning to engage in this work uh more broadly and then you and then in this and then you. Uh, within that, it, it becomes this kind of a global Pan-African movement, and I think he also is outlining uh, a 3.0, which becomes when Africans engage in Afrofuturistic uh, work. Um, and so, along that trajectory that Ronaldo Anderson outlines for us, right, uh, you could locate uh, critical Black futures within the 2.0 movement, mainly because you know <laughs> the, the the if you look if you go through. Uh, The authors in this text, they're uh, predominantly black and they are in the American context uh, engaging in this kind of speculative uh, and and arts uh, arts field. And so when we talk about uh, any particular um, distinctions, we're also talking about the ways in which the critical nature. And so you could look at this in terms of a critical theory, which has its kind of roots in uh, at least. In, in traditional academic settings kind of going back to like, like the Frankfurt school and stuff like that. But I think, you know, there are, we, we could argue that this, you know, it's, the critical theory is more of a spirit or a a disposition that has obviously, you know, lingered and you know, existed much. It goes back further than that. Um, but critical black futures being different from Afro futures, futurism uh, gives it a sense that it, it focuses specifically on blackness uh, in, in, uh, in the, and <laughs> the, I hate to say the word uh, "rabbit hole," but I don't hate to say the word "rabbit hole" because we're we're talking about the abyss, and and you've alluded to it even in kind of on the the end of what you what you were saying before before about this um, this chaos, this uncertainty, um, this, uh, this 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 um, what's what I'm looking for this jazz, right? This fluidity, this movement, right? And and um, it allows for this stochastic framing that is not it's not random in the sense that it's it doesn't make sense, and even if it does make sense it's not up to the people to decipher it, but it's the people that are in it to decipher it. And so it gives this clarity uh, that comes out of the abyss. Uh, And so it's, it's wrestling, it's resting in and wrestling with the very thing that would, um, that would be uh, spoken against as being black in this way.
1: Right. And just, just given that, I I feel like locating it within the trajectory could be challenging, just given that it's not loyal to, conceptions of time and it's it leans into the abyss as you've said and into what's not comprehensible so maybe like finding that location of when black futures became part of the discourse would be really challenging or locating it even before afro pessimism i mean afrofuturism yeah, yeah. and
2: and I, and I and i think you're right in the sense that this kind of disloyalty to time is because it's not meant to be that way and i think the critical nature is all it's meant to create like these um these percussive uh, moments of, of disillusionment. It's like, we think that we've got something and then we qu- we qu- we ask another question and it separates us further from the thing we thought we had. And we, we may get settled, right? When, you know, as like the, you know, as a symbol, you know, the, the immediate clash and it comes back down just kind of thinking about Moten's work. But then we ask another question and it's like another gong or another symbol clash. And it if, it just kind of takes us further and further from what we thought was our original center in places and new, and new spaces that, you know, that become home, but only for a moment.
1: Right. Um, and just putting it in the academic sense of when it started becoming more part of the like academic discourse, would you locate it as Dr. Sinatieri has in his chapter in your work as part of Du Boisian thought, um, or earlier or sooner, would you agree with that? Or where would you locate it as beginning in our, like the academic discourse?
2: I mean, I think that, I think that would, uh, Doctor Sanitary is, is doing is giving us again is, uh, this uh, is giving us this kind of academic uh, trajectory, which which in some ways could definitely start with uh, Du Bois, right, um, and and just the trailblazing work that he had already done. Um, but I think that there, if but with the question uh, becomes, so I, I was I'll say I'll say off the immediate. The academic space, sure, but and I think that's also why it's just it's critical black features. It's not the critical black features, and so like the critical black features also suggest like an A, critical black right. features or critical black features in an open sense, uh, because right uh, and even in the text we, we we have folks you know who are engaged uh, in in the world of art in the world of dance and um, and so on and so forth, and so this the the the, the origin or the starting point, I think can easily be disrupted uh, if we were to locate it in one space. But I think that what's helpful and what Dr. Terry is doing, at least from a Du Boisian standpoint, is locating uh, some of these earlier roots. Because I think other folks would say that Du Bois's work definitely is not predated. If we want to go in a literary sense, there have been folks who have within a literary space or even other uh, just kind of the embodied spaces who have done a kind of these critical Black futuristic uh, work uh, prior to uh, his, you know, kind of putting pen to pad.
1: And you talked about a little bit about there not being like one singular Black future, but rather like critical Black futures rather than a Black future. Um, And just wondering if that at all aligns with the reasoning behind doing the anthology format and wanting to choose a variety of different ways to reflect Black futures, a a multiplicity of perspectives. Um, Why was that important to you rather than just writing or theorizing yourself? Um, Why was the anthology Format more useful to you in this way. No,
2: I think that's an excellent question. So, I think I think you you already kind of like hitting the nail on the head. It's like I I have no uh, I have no ownership over of the critical of critical black futures in this way, right? And and if 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 the whole point in many cases is to create um, these these layers and levels of disillusionment uh, that comes from uh, the critical aspects, then it is imperative that we have as many voices as possible from as many locations and positionalities of embodiment within the black within the spectrum of blackness, right, as possible, in order to engage in this kind of um, uh, this implosive, explosive, right, this diversion. And you know, again, it's this, uh, this disruptive force because as long as we attempt to, as long as anybody attempts to uh, create this kind of singular approach to, to things, then there's immediately going to be uh, somebody that comes follow that comes along with it and and does the disillusionment for them. Yeah. <laughs> and so what? Yeah. Hope the hope is that you know that we open the door and welcome the disillusionment, not as a motive of as opposition, but as a motive of uh of. I don't know, what was the word I'm looking for? is as, as just as as a as a motive of of, of quantum embodiment, meaning that things can exist. Uh, at the same space, at the same time, and be, and, and and also just be mul- be multitudinous, right. but also simultaneously uh, be in this these multi-planar, multi-dimensional spaces, but still be real and still be hey, not to use the word true, but, but but to be tangible and even to be intangible, but their intangibility to not be something that that, that takes away from the credibility. And so the, I think it's just a, the uh, it's just an open invitation to be as uh, disillusioning as potentially possible.
0: That's shipstation.com with the code P-O-D.
1: And I think you also, in, in your idea of like including different mediums that ref- reflect Black futures, I think you also reflect that multiplicity that you were talking about. There's pictures, art, there's text, there's academic work, there's like analysis of dance. There's just so many different mediums that people are using to reflect what they idea idealize around Black futures. Um, and I think that reflects kind of your... Messaging around it being just like infinite, or being multiple quantum ways of being all at once in the same time. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> 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 um, so, how does this work diverge or build upon the themes of your previous work, Black Transhuman Liberation Theology?
2: Um, that's a good question. I think it it stays at the very least it stays within the modes of of technology or the technological. Um, even if the technology is the body, uh, I think there's ways in which we look at uh, ourselves uh, as the very thing that we use to communicate, and we use our ourselves at, are the extenders of our own consciousness. As you know, whenever they're in conversation with somebody else's extension of their con- consciousness, and so uh, the technological, I think, is a very, uh, very real aspect of it. Um, and I think there's also, again, we talk about our freedom or, liber- or these liberative kind of themes or motifs that that exist throughout. Uh, while, while I am one to actively and intentionally question anything that promotes itself to be free, free, freeing or liberating, I still think it's an, it's a worthwhile thing, uh, or concept to sit with. Uh, because even uh, as, as our understandings of these terms shift, we still at the very least become clearer about the ways in which we attempt to move toward them. Um, Individually, collectively, so on and so forth, and and then you know this kind of spiritual aspect of it. Because I think well, I I uh, am a proponent of the idea that the that our epistemologies are our spiritualities. Uh, and so, re- regardless of whatever sits in the seat of God in your in your framing, it becomes a thing that you center your world around, and the things and the, your understandings of love and community and people and yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, or the universe or so on and so forth. Like the way that you understand these terms sets up the way in which you relate to, you know, yourself, to other people, to nature, so on and so forth. And so these these become your spiritualities, which is another reason why I think the, 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 uh, the framing of, of, of the criticality becomes so important because I think that uh, in many cases, I would argue that one, spirituality is often, you know, a, an, an opaque thing. That only becomes clearer through uh, critical introspection, and I think that that's something that I that I highlighted in my previous work, and that's something I think that I'll continue for at least for the time being. Um, and so, when we talk about asking people to become to be critical of the very thing that they say they identify as or understand about themselves, we're also asking them to engage uh, in a, in a particular ritual and embark on a journey that 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 allows for them to either throw away something that they thought they held dear or come closer to it and then have a reason why, um, that allows for, you know, kind of a a strengthening of that, of that understanding of themselves and the things that they relate to. Wow.
1: When you're, when you're speaking just now, I'm thinking so much about, um, imagination and the emphasis on imagination and theology. And as you said, in critical Mm -hmm. discourse, and I'm, I'm thinking also about like your last chapter, New Hampton, and how New Hampton is like an ideal, um, like new version of Wakanda or like American version of Wakanda. Um, But the difference Mm -hmm. is that New Hampton has been colonized or it has been touched or it's not untouched by colonization um, or like outside Mm -hmm. influences. And I'm wondering, this is kind of a really deep question, but I'm wondering... I'd be curious about your thoughts on like how can people who are oppressed or who have been colonized, are their imaginations decolonized or how do you do you believe that that can be separate from someone's imagination? Um, Someone who is a colonized person, Do you believe that their imagination can be free of the colonization Um, or is that a decolonial space?
2: I think that I think the act of decolonizing is something that will probably go on into to infinity in many cases. But I also think that there, there has to be on some level, a a willingness to determine what is yours and what is n- not yours, or meaning that, like when we talk about uh, something as simple as like empiricism, right, or science, or something like that, like this these things that seem to to be um, aspects of like of coloniality or things that come from coloniality, where people indigenous peoples. Um, and folks who, um, you know, from different modes of, of, of diasporic spaces had their own sciences, right, and their own ways of understanding that that may be oppositional, but in some ways are very much uh, alike. And so the question becomes, like, do we, what do we get to determine is solely owned by the colonizer, especially if, if the act of colonizing is, is primarily expansion and absorption? And if expansion mm-hmm. and absorption is is a thing where people no longer cite where they get their ideas from and somehow yeah. get credit for <laughs> for other people's stuff, then it's 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 really uh, you know it it becomes this this gray space where it seems like people don't have anything except for what has been given to them by people who have stolen everything. <laughs> and, so, right. and and so we talk about passion. this decolonizing. Yeah. Right. Uh, and so like when we um we're talking about like this, like decolonized the imagination. I just, I just wonder like, what is it that you want? Um, and then what is it that you are going to, are going to be clear about is yours, uh, stemming from where you came from or recognizing that even in the midst of everything here, this is something that you're willing to hold on to, uh, after again, engaging in the act of disillusionment. All right. Uh, and I, I guess I'm, I'm also just, uh, I guess I'm I'm also just just curious about the ways in which we we begin to uh and begin to do the work of of anti colonialism and 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 in the sense that we are working to demarcate our own space and unlink ourselves from coloniality, while simultaneously creating barriers or barricades or boundaries at the very least that allow for us to maintain the space that we are. We are you rec- reclaiming or reconciling within ourselves, let alone our communities and the peoples that we that we are connected to and care about most. Um, and so I, I say all that to say again, like you know, what is it that you what is it that you are choosing to to stay with, and what is it that you are? How is that affecting the ways in which you choose to, you know, move freely about the world? I hope this make, I hope
1: that makes sense. That does make, that does make sense. <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, I think it's challenging to differentiate, or it's challenging for a colonized subject to differentiate, like, or yeah, and and it's a really important question to ask, like, what do you, what do you want to claim as your own? What do you want to claim as indigenous to yourself? Or maybe even if it's something syncretic that was formed as a result of colonial influence, do you still want to claim that? It's just a really important question to ask when thinking about, like, the process of decolonization, what do you want to claim? And it's a challenging question.
2: Um, no, it it is.
1: Yeah.
2: It is. Um, and no, no, I just want to. I just want to add this yeah. one thing because it, it is a challenge. Because you talk about this kind of disoccupation, It's like we can't go back, yeah. right? And then you know when we talk about decolonization, right? There's a, uh, there's a 2018 essay about romanticizing the decolonial subject, and it's like like we don't even know enough about those folks to really to really create this relationship in the way we'd like to. And, and so it's like, you know, again, so then what do we project forward into the future? You know, what, su- what subjects do we want to be, or what subjects do we want to create, you know, through our families and through our communities? You know, mm-hmm. what practices do we want to take from this space and the one that we that we look fondly upon, that we have, you know, less of a tangible you know relationship with? And then how do we turn these new rituals into, you know, into spaces that are sacred, that uphold, you know, the, the places that we wish we had, we had been able to be in contact with and the, and the people that we are being in contact with and hoping to you know set set a set a for you know in the future
1: yeah and it, does this also relate to why you chose new hampton to be uncolonized i mean not to, not removed not <laughs> why you chose new hampton to be um, colonized or touched by colonization or have been touched is that why just like that claiming of not not totally disavowing it, but cl- claiming some things and asking yourself what things can you claim or can you locate in your own lineage and that you want to incorporate into what becomes after colonialism?
2: I think I think I think so I, I kind of want I, and I, but I, and again, I think this is uh you know New Hampton is I think is a, it's, it's a place that we can get to from here. Right. Um, and if it is a place that we can get to from here, then uh, then it would it would have been touched at one point. Like, say it would yeah. say if say it was a county in California. Right. Or, uh, you know, it was a municipal, you know, a municipality, you know, in, in the in the middle of, you know, Wyoming or something at one point. That means that, you know, it had already kind of been it had already been touched. It had already been uh, in communication with you know imperial powers at one point. And then you know the the work of of, of attempting to create these uh, militarized you know community owned <laughs> spaces yeah. that 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 somehow are able to um engage in kind of this equitable distribution amongst the amongst black folks in this in this city, right? It that it recognizes it recognizes what disparity is, right? So it's 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 come from a place that knew what disparity was. It's come from a it's come from a, a knowledge of what, you know, of what Tulsa what happened in Tulsa among the other, you know, his uh, uh black massacres in the United States. You know, and so it, it and this is why it has armed itself and engaged in self-determination the way it does. You know, it, it recognizes that spirituality and community are important. And, and this is why, you know, everything is, is done the way it is or, or the way that the city, um, you know, is is alive in and of itself, given the, you know, the A.I. that helps to run it. And, you know, it's it's these are these the, the ways in which it it understands itself and functions is the result of right. A. a, a acknowledgement of history given the history that we you know at this present moment like you and i having this conversation are aware of and are unaware of so i think it's it's just a, it's, a, it's an attempt to to see a viable space that we could that we could get to from 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 this moment that we that we are or when people listen to this whenever that is yes
1: and i think <laughs> i think that's really powerful honestly and that's creating hope by starting where we are in this exact moment because I do think, when we watch something that has never been colonized or has never been touched, it's more—it's imaginative in a way that can be idealistic and maybe feel like we can't reach that point because that's not where we are and that's not our history. But starting mm-hmm. at where we are does create hope. It says like, here is here's where we are and here's where we need to be or here's where we can be. Um, so starting off yeah. with something that's more familiar, people's actual reality is creating hope and creating solutions. So I hope so. That's great. <laughs> yes. Well, thank you, Dr. Butler. Um, I want to end on the hopeful note and I really appreciate you for taking time to speak with me today. Thank you.
2: Nah, This is dope. Yo. I, I always love your questions and just being able to sit down and talk with you. It's a pleasure and it's, uh, it's an honor. Thank you. Thank you.